Welcome to episode 185. Are you someone that loves working out or you're on the other side and you feel lots of resistance to the idea of putting your body through its paces? Or possibly you haven't been active for many years because you've been working on your career, chasing after kids, looking after your parents or whatever other thing has been sucking your time away from being able to support and look after you and your body. Sometimes being out of a fitness routine can lower our confidence about getting back into movement and exercise practices. The good thing is that we can make a change at any age and in this conversation, I chat with a 54-year-old fitness expert. She's an amazing woman and we get stuck into how to make time for physical activity that your body needs, how to move towards self-love and the food and nutrition piece that is, of course, a part of any fitness journey. We also talk about managing social situations around alcohol because come Friday and Saturday night, we're sometimes surrounded by harsh, judgy comments from friends and family. So if you want to get started with fitness again and learn how to optimize what you are already doing, then you're hanging out with the right people. So let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I'm happy you're here. I really love it when we hang out. And today I've got something super great for you, of course. Before we get to that bit, though, in 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories or eating rabbit food. Now, Although you don't hear me talk about fitness or exercise very often myself, the truth is I personally love it. I love the gym. I grew up playing loads of sports and training for the swim team literally 10 times per week. And now I work out a couple of times a week and have actually just gotten myself back into a real gym because believe it or not, I'm totally sick of doing weights, dinner, movies, podcasting and running my business all in the exact same room. And so here with me today to get deep on the topic of fitness is fitness and wellness expert Pam Sherman, whom is the CEO and founder of The Perfect Balance. She's an international motivational speaker, coach, and author. For the last 20 plus years, she was involved in fitness world as a group exercise instructor, personal trainer, and a running coach, and is currently on the Fit Radio app as a cardio and strength coach. Her mission is to help women take get a I'm going to start that sentence again. Her mission is to help women take better care of themselves and and their health and does so by empowering women to lose weight and gain confidence, which is basically what I do. So we are a perfect match. Uh, Pam wants to help every woman to feel great in her own skin again. And she's here to hang out with us. So welcome to the show, Pam. How are you doing? I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And a shout out to Karen uh, Martell for hooking us up. Yeah, when she told me, she's like, you got to talk to Maddie. I was like, yes, yes, I love his podcast. That'd be great. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I've been checking out a few of uh, your hangs with Karen and a few of your podcasts. And I was the same. I was getting excited for this conversation. Thank you. uh, It's so fun to talk to people on the same page in health and fitness. Oh, it really is. And we were just chatting before about the fact that, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of resources in the health and nutrition and fitness world, which are uninspiring is the word I'll choose. (laughs) Uninspiring and uh, not motivating people to take better care of themselves. 
Yeah, totally, totally. So, Pam, for your age, you're extremely fit and in very good shape. And although this shouldn't put you in a category where you're an outlier, the modern world we live in means that very few people, both men and women, are in shape in their 50s. Uh, In fact, you know, they've usually subscribed themselves to the latest disease that will probably take them out in the next 10, 20 or 30 years. So I really want to ask you, what was different about your journey that produced this life for you and why don't others find the same path? A lot of it is luck. I grew up with a dad who ran in college and was a recreational runner when it wasn't even cool. I'm talking in the 70s when there was literally one kind of running shoe. And as a fifth grader, I said, hey, can I go for a run with you? And he took me to the local track and I ran two miles without stopping and thought it was the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. That led me to being a runner in middle school and high school and college. Most, I was never very good until I got older, uh, but mostly because it made me feel good. It was stress relief. My household was emotionally crazy. And when it was, I could just go out for a run. So I've always Mm -hmm. had that as a constant. Now I've battled my weight just like most other women out there. But for me, it is so My job was fitness. I was a group exercise instructor. So that was, exercise was a regular part of my life for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a Taurus, Maddie. So I am very stubborn and determined. And when I want (laughs) to do something, I do it. And being fit and feeling great in my own skin has always been very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, talk about being stubborn. I'm a Leo. So I'm with you. (laughs) I'm with you on that page. <laughs> um, so, well, that, that makes total sense. So, you grew up around, you know, fitness and in your dad being active and, and I guess, you know, we all grow up looking to be somewhat like or mimic our parents um, because, you know, we love them and we want their approval and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess, what do you think about, I guess that was the 70s. Um, what do you think has changed from then to now? Because you know, I often look at photos that I have in some of my presentations of of the 70s and groups of people and people at the yeah. beach. And then even though running wasn't cool, everyone seemed to be, you know, in shape um, and doing yeah. well. Like, And so, do you think the world has like lost its interest for fitness or the, you know, it's been more people are into fitness now, but they're just doing it wrong or like, what do you think has changed there in the fitness world? It's not the fitness, it's the food. Mm. I was just listening to a podcast today that had a person talking about Woodstock in the 60s where everybody was a normal size. Mm -hmm. And then a concert like Woodstock just in the last five years and more than half are obese and our food quality has gone in the trash can. I mean, the amount of fast food, processed foods, hydrogenated oils. I mean, our society is set up not to eat well. You actually have to work harder to eat well than go through the drive-thru. You're at the gas station and there's a bunch of crap right there when you pay, if you go inside to pay. Uh, But you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? There's so much bad food out there. We're in the 70s. There was not a lot of fast food. There was not a lot of processed food. The moms were making pretty much a dinner every night for the most part. Mm -hmm. TV dinners, if you had them, were a regular size. There was no supersized when you go to a restaurant, like enough for a whole family for one person. Totally. And I love that that was your answer because you know I'm totally <laughs> on the same page, right? <laughs> yeah. And it, that's, that's so true. So true. And it's interesting too, because I think, not that I was here in the 70s, but from my understanding is that like the fitness world is this huge, you know, 
billion dollar industry now, multi-billion dollar industry. However, it's, you know, which it wasn't in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like it was still, you know, big and, and uh, bodybuilders were a thing, but they were a, a strict group of people. Um, but mm-hmm. over that period of time, the fitness industry has absolutely boomed and everyone's got their latest active wear and their latest shoes and all the things. But yeah, we're getting sicker. We're getting more overweight. And so I guess my question is, like what what from here what's your advice for women from this point which is like we're in the situation where they're listening to this podcast so if they're listening to this podcast they probably know they've got to get their food right but fitness wise how can we do fitness properly so it's actually effective and not just a fashion statement well i would say over exercise leads to overeating and so many women think more is better and i actually say more is not better and there's so much what do i do what's the perfect thing if you're doing nothing, start out with 10 minutes of something. But mm-hmm. I think women get paralyzed by what's the perfect thing for weight loss. I'm like, you know what? Weight loss is all about what you eat. We should be working out for longevity and to age well and to feel mm-hmm. great in our own skin. But the workouts have very little to do with actual weight loss. And I'm always going to say now, strength training, strength training, strength training. And women, you will never, ever, ever, ever get big, bulky muscles from strength training. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a myth, right? It, like, yeah. it takes even me as a man with all the testosterone that I can muster. It yeah. like I would need to double my food intake minimum. Like, you know what? Like, I've tried to gain weight, and it's very hard. <laughs> I don't think women realize how hard it actually is to put on muscle. When I tell them, your body will actually look smaller if you strength train on the regular basis because muscle will take up less room than fat in your body. You will never get bigger. I mean, in in 25 years of doing this, I've never seen a woman actually get physically bigger from lifting weight. But what they can do, they can pick up heavy stuff at the grocery store or at Costco. They can actually go to the gardening store and pick up a bag of mulch. Their regular daily life activities become easier because they're stronger in their own bodies. Totally. And I think as well, like one of the things as we age, uh, like, you know, we were discussing this because of my own injury that I've got at the minute after sitting down for two years in a desk from lockdowns is that, you know, we not only does the daily stuff get easier, but if we don't do fitness, um, you know, we, we basically start shrinking and all of the muscles in our body aren't used. And then as soon as we do the slightest out of the ordinary task, we do a back injury or we do this type of injury because we've got all of these muscles which have been underused or not used for this entire time. So I think a lot of people associate the idea of strength training with like getting strong to look good. Um, and it can be yeah. so much more than that in a functional sense. It's true. I have an 82-year-old client. I just had him on our local uh, news station as fitness at any age because every time we're together, we squat, we do push-ups. I have Mm -hmm. him hold a weight and he stands up. And this guy is still putting up his Christmas lights. He is still taking out his trash, mowing his lawn, doing daily activities. So it's really quality. It enhances your quality of life as you get older. His posture is still good. He's not hunched over. You see so many people hunched over and then for overweight, they're, you know, have hunched over even more. It's staying in great alignment as you get older is so important. 
Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and I love that you have the longevity piece too, like because I, I often I have this little line that I say um, at the end of like a lot of the presentations I've done over the years, which is the information I've shared with you might not change the end result, but you'll spend less time dying. Uh, and I think yeah. people, yeah, don't realize that you know, before we get to having a walking frame or a walking stick or be stuck in a wheelchair, before that is literally decades of not treating your body in the right way and that we can actually really delay the beginning of that chapter. Um, like you said, yeah. 82, right? 82. He's 82. His wife is 70 and they're in the gym three times a week doing strength training. And it really does change. I don't, I don't think people who don't strength train understand how good you can actually feel when you totally. do that. And yes, you know what? I'm 55 in April. I have wrinkles. I've lived a great life, but I am stronger than I've ever been. So I don't think there's a, oh, I'm too old. I can't do it. You 100% can do it with starting with small baby steps. Yeah. And those baby steps, um, you said before, you'll always hear me say strength. So when I think of the many of the women I work with, it's usually the idea of like move more, uh, eat less. And that move more is often cardio, running. Yeah. Like I want to leave the gym feeling like, you know, my heart's about to jump out of my chest basically. So the the infamous question, cardio yes. or weight training, go. <laughs> weights, weights, weights. And guess what? When you lift, your heart rate's going to go. So you're actually yeah. doing a cardio workout when you're lifting weights. Totally. So, well, I guess then the other question is, yes. why not cardio? Well, here's what I have to say. I want women listening and everybody out there to be doing workouts they love. If you love to bike, great. Get on the bike. If you love to Zumba, Zumba. But for literally your body being strong for longevity, strength is going to take you further than cardio will. And what most women don't realize is that they want to lose weight. And the more cardio they do, the more hungry they're going to be. Strength training does yep. not leave you hungry. You get more bang for your buck and your metabolism ends up running higher the rest of the day. So it is a win-win. Oh, totally. And it's it's good that you mentioned the um, increase in food intake because every study I've read that was longer than four to six weeks of willpower shows that, yeah, increasing your um, energy expenditure leads to eating more food, which obviously makes total sense. But for those people out there that um, are subscribed to the calorie model, um, they're like, oh, you know, you've got to use your willpower to manage your hunger um, and you've got to make sure you're having less calories than you burn. Um, but it's actually a bit of a myth um, in my experience. Is that yours? Well, um, yes and no. I will say that in my younger days, I was a marathon runner and I was the very heaviest I have ever been. Interesting. Because you do a 20-mile run and you're starving. You cannot really, you're going to eat more than your body burns. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, the women that I work with who want to lose weight, I have them keep track of their calories so they can see what they're eating and they can see the ratios. Like most women don't eat enough protein. So I want them to see how much protein they're getting in each meal and tell them, hey, you need to shoot for more than 25 grams every time you eat because then you're going to stay full. So not really, I want them to eat as much as they can and still be in a deficit, not as little as they can. I want them to eat more and stay full so they mm -hmm. are not like white knuckling it as they're losing weight. Yeah, totally. What do you say to people, um, you know, those white knucklers that because going to the gym, you know, like it's, it's really low on their priority list. What do you say to people that say they don't have time? 
you know what, Maddie? I have a YouTube channel and I have a 10 minute playlist on my YouTube channel. There we many, go. Of, many of those are body weight only. I say, guess what? Everybody has 10 minutes. Everybody mm-hmm. does. And that is an excuse because in this day and age, we all take time, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, to do things that we want to do. If you took 10 minutes for yourself every day, and I have women go, oh, come on, 10 minutes? If you did that five times, that's 50 minutes as opposed to zero minutes. That is 100% worth it. I love that. That's 100% worth it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did one of them yesterday. Stop it. What did you do? <laughs> no, it wasn't a 10-minute one. It was like a 17-minute one. Um, but um, but yeah, it was great. How do you feel today? Yeah, I feel good. Well, I'm fortunate in the sense that like I'm already in the flow of lifting up heavy things. So, it, it, it's kind of slotted into the normal regime pretty well. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was good. I was like, I want to do... I want to check out Pam and I want to see what she's all about. I'm going to do one of her workouts before we hang out. (laughs) Thank you. Karen did that too. And I was like, you know what? That says a lot about who I am. So I love that so much. Yeah, you're awesome. Um, So I guess with with women going on this journey, they're listening to this podcast. They're thinking, all right, like maybe I should get back into it. What's the first step? Where, Where do people start in order to get themselves moving again without doing an injury from somebody that's injury prone? I would say they need to schedule themselves on their calendar every single day. Mm-hmm. Most women are experts at taking care of everybody else in their lives, their pets, mm-hmm. their kids, their husbands, their houses, their wives, whoever they're married to. And they fall last on their list because in our crazy society, it's selfish, but it's not selfish. It's self-care. Mm-hmm. And when you take care of yourself, you take better care of everybody else. Just like on the airplane, your oxygen mask is on you first and then your child. 10 minutes to, it could be in the morning, you could journal, you could plan out your food. And if you're doing nothing, everybody has a microwave in their kitchen, set your microwave timer for five minutes and do push-ups on the kitchen counter and squats on your kitchen chair. Five minutes, that's going to be the longest five minutes of the day, let me tell you. (laughs) And then you do something and then you add on a little bit every day, but making time for yourself, knowing what you're going to eat. For the women that leave it to the last minute, we all know those last minute uh, meals are never the best meals. Making sure Mm -hmm. you have food at home or if you're out, what I say to women all the time, we say, I just, I don't have time. I have to go to the drive-thru. And I tell them, hey, guess what? I bet you drive by a grocery store. Every grocery store, at least out here, has cooked protein. They have green salads. You absolutely can go into the grocery store, go through the self-checkout line on the way out. That's a quick in and out. And that's a great choice for you when you're out and about doing errands. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and, and I think it really does come down to, like you said, like prioritizing self. And I think that in itself is like yeah. a bit of a bit of a psychological journey to get yourself to a place. Because I think our society is really built on this, you know, if we go back eons, and I should do a whole podcast on this, but like, you know, the whole Western world is basically built on the idea of, um, you know, the Catholic or Christian <laughs> ideology, which is about, you know, like giving, giving, giving everything away, you know, whether it be to the church or whether it be to everybody else. And now as a society, we have this deeply entrenched belief system that, yeah, everybody else is more important and that it makes me a better person to put everybody else first. And I think that's a, it's a really deep rabbit hole to touch on religion there. But I think that's, yeah, yeah, that's really sort of leading to this world where we um, are overweight, sick, dying younger than we should be because, yeah, we're, we're in this social media world, this, you know, 
everything yesterday, instant gratification. And in that, we're still giving ourselves away despite gratifying ourselves every two seconds on Facebook or Instagram. Well, and in our world too, we want that quick fix. We want that instant fix. And in our health, what I tell women, and you've probably said this too, is it took X amount of time for your body to gain weight. You have to give yourself that much grace on the other side. You are mm-hmm. never going to lose weight in two days unless you get the flu. And we all know that weight comes right back on once you start yeah. eating again. <laughs> but it's like having a baby. It takes 40 weeks to cook that baby. It takes about that long on the other side to lose it. You have to be okay and love yourself enough along the way to be like, you know what? I'm going to do it the right way because slow and steady wins the long-term weight loss game every single time. So let's let's dig into that then because there's I'm sure there's women listening right now that are like 40 weeks or you know in some instances years I yes. had a call with um, one of my group coaching clients uh, this week um, and we were discussing the idea of um, you know it was stress in this instance and it was you know how many decades even have you been you know super high strung with your stress and and the question was in regards to wondering whether you know am i really you know in a situation where i need to spend this much time and it was like i drew a picture of a mountain and i was like if it took us 25 years to walk up the mountain <laughs> you know obviously we can do a lot of hacks on the other side to shorten the process but thinking that it'll be you know an 8 week thing or a 12 week thing is um unfortunately naive but digging into how to get around that is like because a lot of people are probably demotivated, right? Hearing that, they're like, oh, committing to the long term. How do you get people to start thinking long term and feel okay about that? Well, I just, you have, I have to start with self love no matter what. You have to love yourself no matter what. And time mm-hmm. is going to pass anyway. So next year, next year at this time, how do you want to feel? Are you want to feel stuck or do you want to feel like, oh my gosh, look how much progress I've made? But let's take it into month. How do you want to feel next month? You can make a lot of change between now and the next, what are we on? Uh, May 1st, Mm -hmm. maybe a pound a week. But more than that, when you sleep better, you journal, you know, you drink enough water, you sleep well, you start to feel better. And it's like a snowball, right? It rolls and rolls and rolls and gets bigger and bigger. So you might take longer than you want, probably will take longer than you want to lose your X amount of weight. But feeling better along the way is so empowering. And then you can want to keep on and continue with the journey. So it, it is hard because it's never fast, but it's worth it because like you said, we're all aging and it's not, we're all going to yeah. get to that finish line, but it's how you want to feel until you get to that finish line and feeling great in your own skin. It's priceless. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. 
To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Oh, it really is. like, And it's one of those things that I I have a conversation with my friend, Vaughn, who you might have heard me mention on the podcast. Her and I collaborate. She's a chef here in Australia, a healthy whole food chef. And she often says, because she's been healthy for years now, that like, you know, and her she's in her 40s and a lot of her friends, you're like, oh, I'm just getting old. I'm just getting old. And she's like, that frustrates her because she's like, those people just don't know how great actually feels. I agree a million percent. And I've struggled like every other woman. And I know what it's like to grow out of your clothes the wrong way, mm-hmm. even out of your bra and underwear. Like that is a bad feeling. Totally. And I've been on the other side where like, I feel great in my own skin. All my clothes fit. It is, it, it is attainable for everybody. You just have to put the work in. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, what are you, some of your self-love practices? Because I know a lot of people that I work with, yeah, that's, that, that's the place we need to start is learning to, you know, bring back some self-respect or some self-love and pri- self-prioritization. So, what are some that you do, Pam? Uh, one that's going to make you laugh, Maddie, and I tell this to all my clients, is you have to talk to yourself like you talk to your pets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love you. How do you talk? Everybody has that little baby voice to talk to their pets. They yeah. love them. But they don't give their self up self-love. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you have to love yourself. So starting your day with gratitude and love for yourself. You know what's better? Nothing is better than being alive. The alternate is being dead. So let's be grateful for the life that we have right now. Mm-hmm. I work out every day. I take very few days off, but I'm not crushing it. I'm not working out for that hour. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I mix it up a little bit. And it's better for my mental health if I work out most days of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take my dog out on lots of walks because I like to be outside and breathe the fresh air. And I don't eat crap because crap makes me feel like crap. <laughs> totally. So my meals are based around protein and veggies. And that's what makes me feel the best along with coffee because I love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to get off coffee for most people. <laughs> Well, I don't drink alcohol. Um, I don't eat bad food. I just, I love, you know, three, maybe four cups of coffee a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the caffeine train. <laughs> you know what? It actually relaxes me. Interesting. I wake up 5, 5.15 every day, happy, snappy, ready to go. It mm-hmm. just is, um, I guess it's the ritual of reading the paper and having coffee. But my days are move, or gratitude. I journal a little bit coffee, workout first thing in the morning, because Mm -hmm. if I don't do it in the morning, I don't get it. I don't, I'm not really an afternoon exerciser, Mm -hmm. lots of dog walks. um, And then making sure I have enough food in the house. So I'm at the grocery store a couple of times a week. It's only my husband and I were empty nesters now, but having great food in the house means you're going to eat well. Oh, totally. Uh, That's a good question, actually, because we started around the topic of it being the food that has led to this sort of epidemic of of sorts with obesity and diabetes and all of these, you know, diseases of civilization that our food consumption has basically created, along with stress and a few other things. But, like, what do you guide people to do with their food and nutrition so that they don't end up in these situations? Is it to make sure that that you've always got the the fridge full, the pantry full uh, of the right stuff so that when you do go looking for food, you make a better choice? Is that the strategy that you use? Well, the first thing I tell women is 
have you ever paid attention to your internal clock? Because I think we all have different body clocks. And have you ever actually gotten to the point where you're hungry? Or are you eating because the clock is telling you you're hungry? And I had a woman who's 72, a client of mine, and she's like, I get up and I eat. And I'm like, are you even hungry? She's like, I don't know. I've never actually paid attention. So let's actually figure out when you're hungry because breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. If you're not hungry, it's okay to delay that first meal. So I really think it's important for women to figure out when are you super hungry? I'm not really hungry until about 11. If I am, I'll eat. But for the most part, I'll have coffee, maybe a scoop of protein powder and some coffee after my workout, but I'm good till lunch. Mm -hmm. And then I want every woman to have more protein every time they eat. Let's not have your English muffin with your butter. Let's get 25 (laughs) plus grams of protein at every meal. So that's a cup of egg whites and an egg and veggies in there. And then you're really full lunch. Let's get away from the sandwich, the the regular, you know, maybe you grew up having a sandwich at lunchtime. How about leftovers from dinner the night before and more veg, maybe a sweet potato dinner. I I call it a big ass salad with a ton of veg, Um, whatever you like in there. And then another big piece of protein. When you focus on protein, the thing is, you know this, Maddie, we lose muscle as we age and we need to eat Mm. enough protein to keep our muscles fueled as well as strength train. So I'm a big protein forward tons of veggies, mostly food that your grandma would recognize. Yes. If it came from the farm. (laughs) Yeah. And when people ask about snacks, I I tell them, if you get enough protein, you should be full for about four to five hours between meals. So snacks are not even going to come into the equation. And if they are starving, grab a huge apple and eat that. And that'll, that'll satisfy you until your next meal. Yeah, I definitely think that there's like snacks are not really necessary. But if they happen, there's one of three things, which is you're either emotionally eating, um, you either have an actual sugar addiction, or yeah, you're protein deficient. Yeah, and when it's funny when women do change their eating, I had a client say to me, Pam, you just don't understand. I'm an emotional eater. And I'm like, come on now, all women are emotional eaters. And then she did change. She goes, oh my God, I'm so full. I can't believe it. Yes, I want you to eat more than you want, more protein than you want. And then you do stay full. And it's like a whole whole different concept because you don't have to think about food because you're only eating a couple times a day or maybe two or three times a day. And that opens up so much more of your brain to think about other things besides what am I going to eat next? Oh my gosh, I'm starving. Let's, Let's put those snacks to the side and eat more at your meals. That's one of the things that I find happens with my clients as well is that there's this belief system that um, being healthy is expensive when it comes to food, um, which I don't debate on face value. However, if yeah. you actually look at the the spreadsheet, you know, of finances at the end of the week, um, yeah. I have a lot of people discover that like, oh, yeah, all of the snacks are gone and those snacks are often consumed because dinner was unfulfilling, the yeah. snack was unfulfilling and we just went on this cycle. So, it's like, yes, we're spending more money on the actual foods that go into the meals, but we finished eating then, like it's over. You know, once we finish lunch, lunch is over. There's no like kind of never-ending snack that kind of lasts all day. No, and then I have a lot of women that struggle with nighttime eating. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. look, eat more at dinner because you're not eating a broccoli or apple after dinner. You're going for the cookies and the crackers and the processed stuff. Make a big sign that says kitchen is closed. There's no eating after dinner. You're done for the day. (laughs) 
Yeah, the kitchen's closed. Totally. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bit of a practice to get into because the other thing is like we were talk, talking about before is that these things are habits and they serve a purpose in the function of your day. And so I think when people try and just do the old cold turkey, just eradicate it, they then there's this void. There's this void yeah. of like, oh, this is where the wine covered up this situation, or this is where yeah. the bag of chips covered up this situation or this feeling and we use these yeah. snacks particularly of an evening after dinner when really everybody's stuffed like yeah. and and we just keep going and it's like it serves a function other than food and nutrition and i think yeah that, that's where we enter the realm of that like emotional eating but like what am i which emotion am i actually eating and for most women, they've done 800 things during the day and they're just exhausted and it's the way for them to wind down. Yeah. What I tell them, and especially as you get older and in menopause or perimenopause, sleep is vital. And every yeah. health expert I listen to says, you need to be done eating three to four hours before you go to bed because your body can't do two things at once. So digest and sleep, they don't go together. Your sleep gets yeah. jacked up. So let's have your digestion be done so you can have a as good as night sleep as possible. It's different when your hormones are going crazy, but but shoot, yeah. you know, shoot for three to four hours, and your sleep really can be better. Oh, absolutely, and uh, as well as long as we're getting enough protein in that final meal, or in all the meals, but in the final meal, <laughs> we're unlikely to be feeling hunger because a lot of people hear, oh, well, if I don't have my cup of tea or my wine or whatever before before bed, like supper, supper time, you know, I you know I wake up hungry and. Possibly if we're jacking up the insulin and blood sugar right before we go to bed and that crashes in the night and you wake up feeling hungry. But if we're eating the right nutrition, then that situation just doesn't happen. It doesn't. And can I tell you that I'm in menopause. I'm 54. There's a lot of women that say, oh, you know, you just, you get menopause middle, you can't help it. And I had a good friend, actually one of my best friends from high school, so I could say this to her. She's like, Pam, <laughs> look, I have menopause middle. I'm like, you know what? That's wine middle. Oh, That's cold out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. And she and she looked at me and I'm, I've known her for 35 years. So I'm like, I'm saying this with love, but that's where all your wine's going. And she's like, you're right. Wine, ladies, turns into sugar, especially at the end of the night. And you're probably not gonna like to hear this, but the less you drink, the better off you are in far as terms of your weight loss goals. Yes. Yeah. I think we could put a few things in that category. <laughs> oh, God. I know it's, it's the, it's what nobody wants to hear, but um, it definitely messes with you, especially as you get older. It, it really doesn't do you a lot of good. Find a different yeah. stress relief at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I think there's a, there's a lot out there. And I think as well, people are like, oh, well, what should I do? Meditation. And that's really confronting. But like, you know, your journey can look however it looks. Um, you know, you can, there's lots of different things. I think it's like, you know, that question of like people trying to find their purpose and they don't know. It's the yeah. same. It's like, I don't know my stress relief. So just start trying them. Just start giving all of them a go, get a big list, hit YouTube, whatever it might be. Um, and just start each night, be like, I'll try this one. I'll try this one. And then you'll, you'll eventually find something that just makes you feel a bit better. And you'll be like, oh, I didn't expect this to be the thing that works for me, but it's working. Well, and there's so many, like you said, meditation, there's so many free meditation apps out there that are great. Yeah. At least where we are, it's the weather starting to get nicer, a nice walk after dinner. Mm -hmm. You can sit outside and listen just to the birds. I mean, there are, you can journal, you can call a friend. There's so many things you can do, but it's that habit, like my coffee habit in the morning. People like to have their wine glass at the end of the night. So I tell them, yeah. hey, what about diet cranberry juice, a squeeze of lime and a bubbly water? 
that's mm. in your favorite wine glass, no calorie, five calories, and you're still holding something if you still have to hold a glass. But getting away from the the habits that don't serve you really will help you in the long run. Oh, I totally agree. I think uh, mineral water, bubbly water is such a good hack because, yeah. yeah, you don't feel that, especially if you're at a social gathering or whatever's going on, you don't feel that social awkwardness by being the person that's not holding a drink. Um, and yeah. and it's, it's probably the same where you are, Pam, but here in Australia, we have a very big drinking culture. And as soon as somebody yeah. on a Friday or a Saturday night doesn't have a drink, they're especially, you know, with middle-aged women, their friends are like, oh, are you on another diet? Like, oh, why aren't you drinking? Are you sick? Have you got cancer? Like some kind of devastating, you know, it's so abnormal that they start kind of, they, they're inquiring, but really they're judging. Um, and, yep. yeah, and so, like, we're in this situation where people end up giving in because the social peer pressure is, well, it feels, feels bad. These people are friends and family and you care about them and it, and it doesn't feel good. And so, I think mineral water and, like you said, like even things to just put a bit of color into that just help people get through those situations because, um, yeah, communicating with people around us can be quite savage despite the fact some of us, some of them apparently love us. <laughs> I know, and I've encountered that too because I stopped drinking uh, like five years ago, four years ago after an accident that I had. Mm -hmm. And people are uncomfortable if I'm not drinking. I'm fine with it, but they mm -hmm. don't feel good. So having that bubbly water makes everybody feel better because I have something in my hand. Yeah. It's just, such a weird it's, society, right? The the fact that like when we make a choice to do something good for us, other people feel bad. <laughs> it, it really is. And it's um as adults, you think, you know, kids get peer pressure, but as adults, you get peer pressure. I actually had a client who said she was out to lunch with her mother and her best friend. And she's mm -hmm. telling them she's losing weight. And at the end of lunch, you're like, you're going to get dessert, right? And she's like, how do you overcome that? Like, Totally. Oh, we practice saying no, no, thank you. I'm fine. I'm full. I'd rather not. But for many people, it's very hard to say no. So having other options, you just, you got to have that in your back pocket. So if you don't want to drink, get that bubbly water. You can ask a bartender to put it in like a highball glass. So it looks like a, like a tonic or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so other people don't, don't bug you. It, it is so fascinating. I have um, a couple of scripts actually because I think one of the challenges in those situations is that it's a new, maybe a new situation we've been in before and we, we've never had practice communicating in this space. Um, yeah. And so I have a few scripts that I give people to actually practice with me so like they know what to say. Yeah. And I think that the key is if you frame it in, your, in regards to your health and wellness, like not just, oh, I want to wear this dress at a wedding. Like, yeah, of course you want that. But like... Yeah. We, we need to go a layer deeper and, and speak to the humanity of our mum in front of us or our friend in front of us and just be like, you know what, I'm really trying to feel better in my body. And when I do this, it actually, you know, really causes me problems. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to make myself better. I'm trying to feel better. I, I don't feel good about myself right now. And this is what I want to change. And if you come at it from that angle, most people will be like, oh, you do you. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. And if they don't, they're off the Christmas card list. <laughs> <clears throat> That's uh, I I do have a couple gals that I've been coaching forever. Like let's mm -hmm. let's practice in front of the mirror. What yeah. do you want to say? I I'd rather not because I feel so good right now and I've done a great job and I don't want to mess up my progress. Like all those kind of things. And if they love you, then they'll let it go. And if they don't feel comfortable in their own skin, they're going to push. And you just have to push back and say, "I'm good, thanks." Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, and yeah, when you get to that point, I think it's very freeing because you're like you're back in control of yourself. Because if you're obviously being pushed around by the judgment of others and conforming, that doesn't feel good either. Because you've just had, had a little self betrayal moment where you went against something that you wanted to do. Yeah, you know, my I was at a wedding last May, and in the span of maybe uh, how many hours? Twelve hours. Because there was an event at 10 a.m. where there was mimosas and Bloody Marys to 10 p.m. I had probably 12 different women ask me why I wasn't drinking because all the women had wine. And I was like, I was getting so sick of saying, I'm good. I just, (laughs) I feel better when I don't. I mean, and they were like, really? (laughs) The interesting thing is that, you know, one sentence that will get you out of jail with that. I used to be an alcoholic. Which is interesting because you're usually talking to a group of uh, functioning al- alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, actually, my brother died last year from alcoholism. So that oh, is one that I can, It is. It is. And I can pull that out of my back pocket. But I was just like, wow, people are so curious as to why I'm not drinking. Like, there's so many other things to talk about. Who cares? But obviously, and these are women I didn't know. So they're like, why don't you have a drink in your hand? I can't drink bubbly water. I can't have 10 bubbly waters in one day. Like... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The gas yeah. eventually does build up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you look like you're pregnant because you have so many bubbles in your tummy. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so, Pam, where can everybody find you online? Because you're amazing. I love you. And we have such a similar ethos. So, I know everybody listening is like, oh, Pam and Maddie are like, are they related? Um, but where can they find you online? I'm on TikTok, which is so fun at Pam Sherman um, on Instagram at Pam Sherman, Perfect Balance Guru. And I usually post from Instagram to Facebook. So no worries on Facebook. And then YouTube, I'm the Perfect Balance, where I have lots of playlists. I have a one minute of peace. If you need to meditate for one minute, you just I'm just breathing with you for a minute. I have a stretching playlist. So if you never stretch, oh, your muscles need to stretch please stretch. I have a 10 minute, I have a five minute and I have a 20 plus minute. I have lots of videos for you to do at home. Lots of them are body weight because I don't know what people have at home. And I just want to help people move more and feel better in their own skin. Amazing. We're on the same page with wanting that. Um, So, for everybody listening, of course, all of Pam's links will be down in the show notes below. So, head down there and jump on to her content um, and follow Pam and get on TikTok and do all of the things. Um, And if you've enjoyed this episode or you know someone that needs to hear it or, you know, that they'll get benefit from it, please share it with them. Share it into social media. Tag all of us so we can keep growing this, you know, healthy friends, family that we've got going on here. Um, And I know that you know the next question, Pam. What is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? I wish people knew that processed foods will kill you in the long run. Yeah. I'm so with you. People go for the they go for the quick and easy, and I want them literally to think about what I say. If your grandmother does not recognize the food you are eating, you should not be eating it. Boom. That's it. I agree. (laughs) Awesome, Pam. I think that that message is definitely, we're going to be echoing that for a long time. So we're on the same page and I'm glad that everybody's hearing it from somebody else other than me. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks so much for being here. I've loved hanging Mm -hmm. out and I'd love to have you back sometime soon. Oh, I would love it. Thank you so much. And thanks for doing my workout. Oh, you're more than welcome. (laughs) I might do another one now. (laughs) See you, Pam. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.